Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick, trying to figure out how you guys are doing. So, Nolan, let's start with you. How was your week? How's your weekend? What's what's new? Uh, nothing new. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, they come slow and don't last long, so never enough time. And how was your week, Patrick? I don't know. <laughs> I'm afraid if I say anything, I'm going to lose it. Um, my week was good. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, a little little worn out. This last couple of weeks have been extremely hectic, and uh, yesterday was no less hectic. I didn't have to go to work, thank God, but it was still extremely busy. So, um, but that's okay. Today is not so hectic, and we get some D and D in today. So. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be the first time. This is, I think, the most exciting is it'll be the first time we all get to play together in the same room. And that, to me, is super exciting. It's been a bit. It'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, it has been a bit. And all of us are vaccinated. And, of course, according to the CDC guidelines, we can come together. And we are all looking forward to that. So it'll be it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. So am I. So am I. So we do have a topic for the week, and it's really kind of a first impressions uh, as we we've got a couple of PDFs from back from Kickstarters that we did that we did not realize was were going to be coming in. Uh, that being Technocracy Reloaded, and of course Tolis, which we've talked so much about, and no one's actually had a chance to actually look at it. So we're really excited to talk about that. Um, Discord is freezing up on me. Are you guys? Do you guys hear me? I can yep. hear you. Yep. Okay, well, I'm just going to keep going. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we are going to be talking about our kind of our first glance, first look at both of these PDFs and let you guys know what our thoughts are. Um, again, it's not a deep dive because we just haven't had enough time to, to read through. At this point, it's close to 900 pages of stuff. So, but we will be taking you know a quick look at them and tell you our thoughts. But before we do that, let's jump into the news. No news this week from from Watsi as uh, things are just really quiet. Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is just around the corner, so I know people are prepared for that. Although not official D&D news, I did hear that Jeff Goldblum is coming to a D&D podcast. And I was just curious. I know, Zach, you said you saw somebody on Reddit. What did you see on Reddit about it? I, I just saw a post that he was going to be on a D&D podcast. Sorry. I wish I had more information. I was just like, all right. And then I moved on. I'm... Curious to see how it'll go. Uh, so Jeff Goldblum is coming to the Dark Dice podcast. He's going to be voicing the elf sorcerer Balmir, Balmir, Balmir. Uh, Dark Dice podcast is a horror-themed D&D podcast that uses diverse soundscapes, which includes an original soundtrack made up of medieval instruments and a live choir that sing in, I think it was, Infernal, Icelandic, and English? So I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts on this actual play podcast and then bringing a celebrity like Jeff Goldblum to it. Nolan, we'll throw it to you first. I think anytime you can get celebrities to come play the game, it's always interesting to see their take on it, um, especially when it comes from the acting realm, just because those those folk are able to get into character most of the time so well that it'll be interesting to see. Um, I... <laughs> I think I have to be in the right mime frame for his voice. Uh, so I don't, I'll, I'll be curious to see how it is. You know, uh, I've watched a couple of things with him narrating stuff and I find him super interesting, but I can't like binge watch it just because of, of his style. But I'm curious to see it as an elf wizard or whatever it is he's playing based upon the picture. It's what it kind of looked like. But I, 
I don't know. It'll be quirky and weird, and uh, so is he. And if it brings more people to the game and gets more people doing stuff, I think it could be cool. I don't know. It, I'm ready to be surprised that how much I'm going to enjoy it. I want to say I don't want to, but I think I will. Cool. How about you, Zach? Seems interesting. I wonder what like attracted him to the project. You know, is it not to be dismissive? Is it like some like he somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows Jeff Goldblum? You know, and then like they just Kevin Baconed their way until he's like, yeah, that's cool, and I want to be involved. Or was he listening to the podcast and was like, hey, I want to be involved in this? Does Jeff Goldblum play Dungeons and Dragons so much that he was like, I got to be involved in something? I don't. Know. It sounds cool. I, I don't know. Um, I think it's, I, I kind of agree with Nolan when you can get somebody of, of any sort of celebrity status and get them into the game. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, we, we, a couple years ago, we, with the surgeons, I can't, I won't say resurgence cause it wasn't resurgence, but with the surge of critical role and so many other live shows coming out that we found so many celebrities were, were playing and had been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a long time. Like Debran wall is, is notorious for being on set of like daredevil and be like, all right guys, well, we have a long break. We're playing D and D get over here. I'm teaching you how to play, you know, and, yeah. and cause she had for years and Joe Manganiello as well. So I, I think it's fascinating that we're seeing this and, I would not be surprised at all to find out that Goldblum is or was a D&D player and had at least the interest that he's like, yeah, 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 I, I, I want to play some D&D, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm all for it. I don't know how much time I'll actually be able to spend listening to it. Uh, I will probably try to catch at least one or two episodes just to see what it's like. So cool. That is everything I saw for D&D. Did you guys see anything for D&D? I did not. Uh, Wizards of the Coast has like has a, an official Dungeons and Dragons video game coming out. What was it called? Dark Alliance? Yes. So we've we've actually talked about Dark Alliance quite a bit. Um, no one wasn't there some new gameplay for Dark Alliance released this week. Yeah, it looked like some, there was a few people that were allowed to talk about their hands-on experience with it and uh, just kind of give it their overall appearance or impressions on it. It sounds, I mean, it looks interesting. Uh, I think it got a release date, though. So I was trying to see. I saw that the pre-order was out. Initial release date, June 22nd, 2021. There we go. So, so not too far away. It uh, looks like a fun little hack and slash uh, in... I think kind of from the reviews that I got and the people looking at it, if you like the original uh, Dark Alliance style games, uh, this is not uh, a sequel in any way, shape or form other than name. Uh, it's brought into a more modern hack and slash style uh, destiny uh, kind of yeah, high like combat with swords. So, so yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. Talent trees and loot always make the cycle interesting just to see how they keep people chasing the carrot will be you know you play through the game in you know 20 hours or something like that and then if you replay it for another you know 100 getting gear and leveling up then i suppose it's pretty darn good value uh they do have a standard edition a digital deluxe edition and then a steelbook edition coming uh with nothing really extra on it outside of just some weapon sets some in-game items uh, sounds like that uh, if you get the Steelbook edition there, there's a mini art book. 
Uh, you get uh, apparently they have an expansion called the Echoes of the Blood War coming that you get a part of that. Uh, there's a soundtrack as well, and then the collector's case. I did when I went ahead and grabbed that that uh, playthrough that you sent us, Nolan, and and I have that in the show notes so people can take a look at that. Zach, you were making some comments about it being very shaky. Yeah, every single character attack, not just the character you're controlling, every character's attack shakes the camera. Not, not like, like not like right. in like a subtle like boom. It's like that was not it. It was a little excessive. That was like pretty that much all off. I could pay to. Yeah, if I could turn it off, I would. I'm sure they'll have that. Most games have a camera shake feature. Yeah, of course. I always turn camera shake off. Like if first person has like head bob, I turn that off if available. Gotcha. I've played gotcha. so many first person shooter runners and that kind of stuff lately that I don't even notice it anymore. It's crazy. But yeah, I oh. see what you're saying. I, yeah, turn it off immediately. Can't do it. Huh. But that, that's like a personal taste. Like there's no one way to enjoy anything. So if you don't mind it, it's not an issue. So it's also only going to be $40. No microtransactions, so it sounds like they might release some paid expansions. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the DLCs are, or most games this day and age have some sort of season pass or something like that. So, Yeah. I also think it's interesting. It's cool to see like a double-A game being released for like $40, because Returnal for the PlayStation 5 is like a first-party Sony exclusive, and it's 70 bucks crazy like i get you know like i mean red dead redemption 2 sold what like 70 million copies could you imagine if they had charged just 10 dollars more that's 700 million dollars yeah like yeah yeah, well, I did go ahead and, like I said, through the gameplay uh, trailer or video in the show notes so people can take a look at that. I do apologize, guys. My system is acting weird this morning. I'm not sure what's going on. I did notice throughout the week that this computer rebooted itself probably 10 times, which I thought was strange. But uh, so it could be something like that. I'm not sure what's up. I went ahead and closed out everything that I had open that might be pulling on my system, like Twitch and stuff like that. So that's shut down. Hopefully that helps. We'll see. Uh, but let's let's move on. Um World of Darkness. I, and I'm having at this as World of Darkness because it, it is very broad. Um, so two weeks ago, we talked about Scion from Onyx Path coming to the television screen. Well, another form of White Wolf title, and I put title parenthesis titles, uh, is making its way to television and film. According to Deadline, Oscar-nominated arrival writer Eric Heiser, Heiser? Uh, sorry, Eric, I mispronounced your name, and writer-producer Christine Boyle and Hivemind, which produces the Netflix show The Witcher, have entered into an agreement with Paradox to produce a film and television series based around the world of darkness. We don't know what title or if it's just going to be the world of darkness as a whole. So, Zach, let's throw this one to you first. What are your thoughts on this? I don't really know what to think. Like, just right off the bat. Um I kind of looked into the company. Like, I think they just formed Hivemind. Like, there's not a lot of information out there. Like, I don't even think I could find a website, though. I did find a LinkedIn. I think one of them was also involved with Shadow and Bone that just came out, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, I didn't know that. 
like it seems it kind of seems like these are individuals who know who know what they're doing who are involved in the business who've been involved in the internet side of film and television um, yeah it kind of well, like that's good that's actually promising yeah it doesn't seem like some sort of rogue producer who is like hey i think this would be a good idea and then they go to you know paradox and ask for the rights and then find some funding these seems like creative types who know what they're doing who have done good things before highly rated things and they've proven that they can get them out there for people to watch well that would be really interesting nolan what about you what are your thoughts uh, i'm excited to see what they do uh, i don't want i i think i'm along the lines of i'm i'm hopeful that they will keep it dark um, and not try to make it like PG-13. I think if they're on a situation where they're making a Netflix series or something like that, that gives them the freedom to uh, push the boundaries that they need to, to make it what they want it to be. Uh, if it's something they're trying to produce for TV or, or something a little more, you know, I don't want it to turn into, you know, a CW show. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with those, but I'm expecting some messed up situations that make you think. And when I think of some of the stuff that you were talking about with uh, the show from HBO uh, with Lovecraft Country and, and that kind of stuff, um, you know, that you can really push some really weird topics in some of these uh, non-mainstream, I guess they're more mainstream now uh, sites though. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I, I really want it to be good. And it's so expansive that, you know, I I don't know where they're going to start, so it's kind of hard to get excited about that kind of thing. I'm I'm maybe they do the whole thing, but and you get a little see little dabbles of it, and then from that would you know if it justifies it, you know, get some spinoff shows into uh you know different areas, deep deep diving into the different books. But I, I like more adult shows, and I hope it's good. You know what I hope happens? What's that? I hope that they do like vampires versus werewolves and then universal sues them for copyright infringement for underworld. Uh, that's probably not going to go full circle because white wolf sues just, them. Yeah, I know uh, just a I, spiral. I of lawsuit. That would be hilarious. I have to imagine there was something put in place that, that, you know, cause yeah, I, fuck it. Let's see the whole circle. <laughs> Yeah, Why not? Right, an endless spiral. Of <laughs> right. So I, I have I have some thoughts on this. Um, of course, I remember, and this is before both of you. Um, I remember when Kindred the Embraced came out, and that would have been ninety five ish, um, ninety six, somewhere around there. When Kindred the Embraced came out, I was super excited about it because I was you know hardcore into vampire at the time. And the problem with Kindred the Embrace was it was a it was a Aaron Spelling show. So you had vampires in 90210, and, which was, you know, it, I watched every episode, which there was only one season, so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, episodes, and I enjoyed it at the time, but I enjoyed it for one reason, and that's because in some iteration, vampire was coming to TV, and I got to watch that, and I got to experience vampire without always playing vampire, right? being able to a chance to be able to lose myself in it in a situation like that. My, so, so in that respect, Kindred and the Embrace was not a great show, but it was definitely different for its time. 
Uh, I've gone back and tried to watch a little bit of it since then, like in the last two or three years, you can find them all on YouTube. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> but it's also one of those that just because of who I am, uh, I would probably, if somebody were to say, hey, I have this DVD collection of Kindred the Abrace for 10 bucks, do you want it? I'd be like, yes. Because <laughs> that's just how I am. So I, I was at first a little apprehensive about this. And, and then I got to thinking about it. We have Carnival Row, right? And Carnival Row really is, if you really want to put a twist on it, it's Victorian age changeling. I mean, without a doubt. You could easily say that that was a Victorian age changeling game. Now, there is no official books for Victorian age changeling, right? But we do see Victorian age mage that just got kickstarted. We do have a Victorian age vampire, the masquerade. So it makes sense that you could see a Victorian age uh, changeling, any world of darkness game in Victorian age. So when I watched Carnival Row, I loved every minute of it. It was fantastic. It's a great show. Zach, have you seen Carnival Row? I have not. I tried to Nolan. start it and like things just came up and I gotcha. Gotcha. And Nolan, you ended up watching it, right? Yep. Yeah. I and see, and I loved the show. I thought it was so well done. So at least in that aspect, we know they can do changelings, right? We've seen um obviously you mentioned the CW shows, Nolan, with like the originals of Vampire Diaries. We know that they can do those shows and have a following. And you can do those in a in a almost teenage young adult style although i felt like the originals is a little bit more intense than uh, vampire diaries and get a following you can't watch vampire diaries or the originals and not realize that it's the world of darkness you can't watch true blood and not realize that it's the world of darkness and true blood is another one that i was going to go to so we have all these shows that have danced all around the world of darkness without saying hey we're the world of darkness every one of them are 100 percent influenced by the world of darkness so now we're actually going to get somebody to say okay Fuck pretending like we're not influenced. We are going to say we are the world of darkness. Start with Vampire. It is the most popular game line. Start with Vampire. Do it right. And then you can introduce those characters. And if you take, because they said they're going to do a series, a television series. If they take it and have Vampire and then do spinoff characters so you can introduce like other branches of the world of darkness. I mean, Christ, give me a good Beckett series. You start giving me a television series that's based on Beckett, I promise you World of Darkness fans are going to go nuts. And it's going to introduce more people to the World of Darkness. And then give me a movie about Lucida? Wow. Show me a La Sombra in action on screen? I'd, I'd be down for that. And I think about, like, there's a scene in uh, Beckett's Jihad Diary where Lucida goes into a warehouse and... She's like shooting up all these anarchs and then goes into her shadow form and like her shadow goes into the bullet holes of the people that she shot and then explodes and kills them. And it's like, this is a high powered La Sombra at work. And I want to see that. I want to see that on the screen. So I'm tempering my excitement, but I am excited for this. The reason I'm tempering it is because I've seen what Paradox does. I mean, how we've got Bloodlines too that was in pre-order stage and now they've pushed it back and started refunding pre-order and now they've talked about that they're trying to bring it back and keep it going but who knows we saw what happened with the world of darkness mmo it was just destroyed it seems like every time paradox tries to do something with vampire in any respect it gets destroyed so i'm tempering my excitement and hoping that in this case they've done like we've done with onyx path where they're saying we just want to be able to approve it 
you do what you need to do. We'll just say yes or no. And they let these folks take it and run. And I hope these folks pay attention because this is no one likes to talk about staying true to the um, to the material. We talk about Tolkien games uh, where it's like, yeah, do, great. You're doing a Lord of the Rings thing, but stay true to it because you're going to have enough people who are fanatical about it that if you start changing things, they're going to be very upset and you're going to lose your fan base. In this case, it's very much the same thing. Vampire has been around since the 90s and it has a massive amount of lore. If you start changing that lore the way Paradox did with V5 or the way Modifius specifically did with V5, you're going to piss people off and you're going to lose your fan base. So, and that was a long diatribe, and I apologize, guys, because uh, I am. Oh. World of Darkness is one of my passion points, and you start telling me you're going to do this. I'm going to be excited, but I'm going to be very tempered with that excitement. Yeah, the early 90s was just so big for vampire stuff. I did not realize the Vampire Diaries was written in 1991. <laughs> yeah. There's same, a same year World of Darkness White Wolf Publishing yeah. started, so that it must have been also, the era for uh, Vampire. Vampire Diaries is also was work for hire, where uh, I think it's like PC Cast was the author. Um, the yeah, publishing company sure. straight up went to her and were like, "Hey, we vampires are cool. We need a book about vampires," and she was like, "Yeah, yeah awesome. you know, give me ten thousand dollars." So, and, and I think I think Vampire Diaries initially had nothing to do, no influence whatsoever from World of Darkness. I truly do. I think Originals, because Originals, I don't think was written by her so much as is written by the show writers. And I don't yeah. remember if that's accurate. And it's which, hard to say at this point, too. Like, you can't make an elf show and say you're not, you know, we don't have to say you're influenced right. by Tolkien. Because right. Right? at this point, it's all, it's, it's Band-Aid, right? Everything's right. a bandage, but now it's Band-Aid. So... Yeah, you can't yeah. not look at that stuff and be like, well, they did it well, and uh, that's how we're going to do it. Yep. Whereas, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Whereas Charlene Harris, who's the writer of True Blood, she openly admitted, oh, yeah, no, this is absolutely based, you know, I was a hardcore vampire player. This is, yep, mm-hmm. Uh, Poppy Z. Bright has pulled a lot of stuff from World of Darkness. She wrote for some novels for or some stuff for World of Darkness. And then, you know, talk early 90s with uh, Vampire Diaries. Anne Rice's interview with the vampire was coming out at that time. Um, vampire Lestat. So we had, yeah, the early 90s was a huge, that huge. Was, I can't, say what we had early 2000s was the vampire era. I cannot tell you how many, because I graduated or, high school in 93. I graduated high school in 93, right? I can't tell you how many vampire encyclopedias that I owned. Like I would just go to the bookstore. I'd go to Walden Books in our mall, local mall in Fairbanks, and buy a vampire encyclopedia. Um, I absolutely was. Yep, I was that guy. <laughs> I would say we were. My graduation era was when Lord of the Rings was coming to movies, and that's you know kind of the the height of D and D three point five as well. And then I feel like so we would back to some fantasy stuff, and then I felt like early like twenty ten was the zombie phase. I think we're working our way out of the zombie phase and now we're into the dark horror phase. Maybe I feel like yeah. everything's got a, a creepy kind of, I don't know. We're back in a really good horror cycle. I, I wouldn't disagree. And I tell you, you know, you mentioned it earlier and, and, and I, and I want to come back to it because it was so, so good. If you haven't watched Lovecraft country, you need to, because that number one, the book is absolutely phenomenal, but you have to remember that the the show itself, I think, is I think the first two episodes, if I remember correctly, or maybe it's a little bit more than that, are like 
whatever. I can't remember exactly. Um, the book is not the show is not the book. There is definitely some blends of the book in it, but they get to a point where the book is over and they keep doing the show and they let the show writers. Um, and I can't remember her name. She's absolutely amazing. The, the lady who was in charge of writing everything. And yeah, if you haven't watched Lovecraft Country, go watch it and then go read the book and accept that the fact that there are two different animals and you're going to love both of them because they're fantastic. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Uh, so let's jump over. Oh, wait, uh, yeah, I guess we're at Onyx Path now. Sorry. I my I scrolled down too far. So, okay, over at Onyx Path, I've seen that people are posting that they've gotten their backer copy of Cults of Blood God for V5. Uh, according to a post from Matthew Dawkins, the shipper evidently began shipping the book without letting backers know that their book had shipped. Um, this means every day I'm checking my mail to see if my book has arrived, and it hasn't. And I will tell you that while we were having internet troubles and my mic was going down, I did check my email and lo and behold, I have a shipping notification. Very nice. So apparently that book is shipped and it is on its way, which will be very cool because that book looks, I've looked through the PDF and I cannot wait to get my hands on that book. Um, Onyx Path did release the backer PDF for technocracy related to backers this week, which is what we're going to be talking about later. They are asking backers to take a look through the book and make suggestions or corrections. I did notice I, I backed it at a certain level that my name was supposed to be listed in the Invisible College section. And I didn't notice because I actually put it as 307 RPG Patrick Castle. Um, so I did pop them a note and let them know. Uh, that that was missing. Uh, my brother's name, Dominic, who also backed it at a, a certain level, his name was not listed as well. So I sent them a note and hopefully they get that fixed. Uh, Onyx Path did just announce the dates for their virtual Onyx Path Con. It'll be held the weekend of July 11th through 13th. No firm details on what they're going to be doing. I'm sure it's going to be panels and uh, live games. Uh, but as we learn more, we will let you know. They did that last year. Um, I was able to catch a little bit last year. That's actually where I got the two Scion PDFs was I was watching one of their panels and they said, hey, we're going to do a giveaway. Just let's throw your name out there. And a random generator pulled my name and I won the two PDFs. So they will be, I'd imagine they'll be doing giveaways throughout the whole thing. So take a minute to pop in. I encourage everybody to pop in. I encourage both of you to pop in and just see what they got going on. Um, maybe learn about some of the other games that they have that we never play. That I always seem to buy that we never play. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> yes, indeed. It happens to all of us. <laughs> uh, speaking of games that we never bought, I've never played. Uh, Zach, did you end up backing Simbrum? I did, yes. Yeah, I'm stoked. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I backed the the big one, so I'll get all three books. Oh wow, good for so you! Like that one. I, I have been holding myself back. I because uh, I was on Modifius's website as I was gathering news. In fact, we'll jump to Modifius in just a second. As I was gathering the news, and I noticed that Modifius is a retailer for for the original Simber, and mm, I okay. I was like. I should buy this. No, I don't need to buy this, but I want to buy it. Don't buy the book. <laughs> so I was able to talk myself out of it, but it's of course on Amazon as well. And I was looking at that and I think you can get it delivered with prime. And a part of me wants to grab the book just to look through it and see what the original was like. Cause I don't know that there's going to be like lore and stuff. I don't think there's going to be any changes in, I'm just really fascinated in the world. I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to, I, we're going to get to the point guys where we're going to be putting the, the world or uh, the um, 
uh, Wizards of the Coast stuff aside and playing our D&D in Scarlands and Simbarum and Tolis in in One Ring and things like that. Yeah. And I, the Ruins is another one that is, again, the Collector's Edition looks really appealing to me, but I love the art. Like, I love the art on the books. Like, I almost feel, I don't know. But, you, like, they're the, the Collector's Edition is cool. That would be neat to have, but I want the art. You guys will have to come over a little bit early today so I can show because I have not had a chance to actually see you guys in person. And there's some books I've gotten that I've shown that I really want you guys to see. And I'd also like to grab the Curse of Strahd revamped and have you guys actually see that product as well. So if you guys don't mind, come over just a little bit early today. Here we are making plans on the show uh, so you can take a look at some of this stuff because I'd love to be able to show you guys. Cool. Cool. Um, let's jump over to Modifius because we are just wandering all over the place. Modifius just announced the release of the first mission for Octan Cthulhu, Operation Vanguard. This adventure is currently available on the Modifius website and costs a measly eight bucks, which I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Uh, just pulled straight from Modifius website here. Operation Vanguard is a direct sequel to A Quick Trip to France, which is a free Octung Cthulhu 2D20 quick start for GMs looking to run a continuing narrative campaign. Features a 29-page full-color PDF with a daring mission for four to five audacious agents set deep behind enemy lines with the full enemy profiles, NPCs, maps, and handouts. Action, investigation, and mayhem abound as players first cross swords with Nachtwolf, and become embroiled with the Deep Ones, a major mythos power. Playable with the Octung Cthulhu 2D20 Quick Start rules, although the full Octung Cthulhu 2D20 core books are recommended. Uh, so, Zach, I don't know if you know this, Octung Cthulhu is World War II Cthulhu. I did not. Yeah, that's and this is uh, we did an interview with a gentleman who writes and is kind of, if I remember correctly, he, yeah, no, he wrote the book, um, uh, Berlin. Uh, wow, I can't even remember the book. It's Berlin something um, for Call of Cthulhu, which is a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, and he was telling me that you can tell the different eras of Cthulhu based on the name. So Pulp Cthulhu is like the 1920s and 30s. Call of Cthulhu is like the turn of the century. And then Octung Cthulhu is World War II. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like I a was... good deal, honestly. Yeah, you know, telling me that I can go buy a 29-page PDF for $8, that's freaking fantastic. And and this goes right back to what we've talked about a lot, about how make some of these these things like this more reasonable. And I really do think, I, I think more and more about it, and I really do think that we see, like, the DMs Guild putting out Adventure League stuff. That's what it is. That's where you can get your little, your side stuff for 4 or $5. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a sequel to a free thing like you can play the free one and then or even if you just wanted to support it get an eight dollar pdf of the thing you can jump right in with the core rules and play yep two three nights if you just wanted to do something real quick sounds like a good deal i don't know um if you were aware of this but the um the gauntlet of spiritus was a free adventure released by onyx path mm -hmm. Of course, the Dagger of Spiragos and Ring of Spiragos, the continuing is obviously you pay for those. Now, I think they're like eight or nine dollars for the PDFs. 
And that goes right to, it's like, hey, here's a free adventure. It's very well done. Now you want to continue to play this complete campaign. I got a complete campaign. Now I ended up buying the books because I wanted to, we were playing down at a different location at the time and I didn't have access to the internet as cleanly as I wanted. So I was buying the books. Um, and I think even then I paid $19 for the books. And they're very well, very well done, very well printed. Uh, they're print on demand through drive through RPG. And I like it when you give me stuff like that. And now I have a whole campaign for 40 bucks uh, only because I chose to buy the books. I could have spent like 17 20, or $20 and had both books and still be playing. Anyway, yeah, I digress. Uh, one of the things I did want to mention, and I, I don't know the status of this or anything, is as I was looking through Modifius's website, I came across a section that said Octung Cthulhu movie. So I thought, well, what the hell is this? Apparently, they were trying to get a movie done um, based on, of course, on the game. I, and I, I don't know a whole lot more than that, except that I saw that they had a target filming date of 2015. So and then they talked about kickstarting some of it to help fund it. And that's all I know. So <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Sometimes that, you know, people go into and just buy it so nobody else can do something too. So Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, you know, there's enough movies based on um, H.P. Lovecraft and his mythos. I think if you did one and you actually labeled it Call of Cthulhu, you would get a lot of people watching it. Like if I was releasing Hellboy, right? Like I'd probably, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of got some of that feel to it. So you kind of can base that on popularity, I would think, a little bit. Yeah, Hellboy yeah. screams Call of Cthulhu like crazy. It also, yeah. all it takes is two or three producers who are like, hey, I think this would be a good idea. And, you know, and then they buy the rights for $100,000. That's change for Warner Brothers. Right. Yeah. They spend that without thinking about it. And then, you know, the people who are like, yeah, we'll get this going. They forget about it. Warner Brothers forgets about it. Ten years later, they're like, oh, yeah, we should make an Uncharted movie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, maybe maybe one day we'll see it, a Call of Cthulhu, Octane Call of Cthulhu movie come out from whatever studio was doing it. I have no idea which one it was. Like I said, I really didn't look more into it than that. Um, okay, so that was... What's all the news I saw? I think there's, there was another thing that I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to actually give Nolan more time to look into it. And that is that there is a game that is done like Minecraft for your tabletop RPGs. Have you heard about this? Either huh. of you? Nolan, I'm going to find the information on it and send it to you so you can take a look at it. And so maybe you could tell us about it next week. Okay. All right. So that'll bring us to our topic of the week, which, of course, is our first impressions of two products that we just received. Now, we're doing first impressions because, again, this is 900 pages between these two books. And we just have not. I mean, you we got the Tolis PDF yesterday, right, Nolan? Uh, yeah. So there's just no way we've had a chance to dig through these books, but we're both we're all three very excited about these and we wanted to talk about it. So we're going to start with because we didn't do a Tolos update. Nolan, I'm going to throw it to you so you can tell us everything that is Tolos right now. Uh, I don't have necessarily an everything that is Tolos thing. I did get the uh, this week. I've got the little players guides. Oh, wow. 
So it has oh, a character sheet cool. in there as well, so you can kind of have your one-stop shop for everything you need. Fairly good quality. Uh, seems really durable. Uh, it is a not just like paper stapled together, but it is a, a nice quality product there. Um, and then, yeah, we did get, uh, I think that was like, I got notice on like what, last Monday or Sunday or something like that. And it arrived during the week. And then Saturday, I got notice that the the big book was at the warehouse and shipping. So I was able to hop in and send that. So I should have the big book next week. But in doing so, they also gave me the 674 page uh, PDF. And for the most part, just kind of look through it briefly. I, I love the uh, art from third edition era. It cracks me up and has that nostalgia feel just bringing it forward. Um, the world is going to be interesting and I'm looking forward to playing it and hopefully spending a long time there just because it does feel like uh, when we were playing water deep, um, you know, there was just that little circle we were in and it's like, well, up here's, you know, this couple and, and so-and-so is the flower shop and Tally next door has got the woodworking place. And, and so, you know, it, it, there was just like this little hub and community. Um, so a lot of this stuff here will also be along those lines of like, Oh, here's uh, the example that they have not example, but the first part they have is like Delver square and here's Raster's weapons. And it's got a picture of Raster who looks like a uh, Leonin. Uh, here's Danbury's place, which looks like a couple of wizards playing chess uh, Ebert's Outfitters looks like a, a dwarf, uh, probably by today's standards, uh, is not what they drew a dwarf as. So it might be a gnome as well. Um, so it, I like that, that, you know, every street is really just thought out. There are characters there. Um, the little side sections, uh, of the, the PDF are really good because it's just got the little notes that were done, uh, from the own campaign as well. Um, so that way, if there is a question there or anything like that, the, there's a thing that like the little DM has a little pop-out section that says, oh, this is why this is important. Um, or this is what you need to notice when talking about these people. So you're not cycling through the book all over the place, uh, trying to find these answers, but really just briefly scrolled through a little bit of it and didn't touch a whole lot of it. Cause I didn't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole. So. Which should be easy to do with this book. Because I'm sitting here scrolling through this just absolutely enamored by the artwork in this book. The the history is really cool. They've got a nice timetable for it. Um, the background of the city. Uh, so this is how they laid it out. Part one is the player's handbook. So if you didn't get the, the little side area there, uh, it is the first section. Uh, of the book part two is the background part three is the city guide part four is below the city part five is above the city part six is living in tolis and part seven is running a tolis campaign and the running the uh tolis campaign looks like it starts on page 540 of the 674 so fairly good section about what the heck's going on and campaign it looks like is in there so i won't scroll any further past that but i i like the old school art it cracks me up to see it and remember where it was um i love uh there's a section in there uh about chaos tech and i'm really excited to see some of that stuff uh void bombs spidery walker madness bombs siphons 
I mean, just the I'm I'm excited for the magical items as well. Just a whole new madness to get into. You ended up getting the five E system, not the cipher system. I did for the big book. Um, I you also with the PDFs. I also do have a cipher system as well. PDF. So they gave you both PDFs, and then you chose which one you wanted printed. Zach, did you get a chance to scroll through it? Uh, just briefly, just a, you know, as as much. I had to do it on my phone, so I okay. wasn't able to really like dive deep into. But I read, you know, the very first like twenty pages or so, and then I went straight to the technology because I wanted to know what Chaos Tech was. So, what are your first thoughts? Um. I think it is it is not a campaign world for GMs to use. It is a GM's campaign world. Like this is I think this screams Monty Cook. It absolutely does. Like and, and... it's his thing. I gotta scroll back to the beginning here. Um give me just a second. You keep talking. And and that's not a criticism. Um, I think it's still like a world of adventure, you know. Like there's always like you got like you can always try and go up the spire, and there's no reason why a game master can't be like, yeah, I know that like you know floors one through ten are supposed to be this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna replace them with whatever I want. There's the underdark, whatever that's called. Um, you know, and there's no reason why whole sections of the town can't be like, well, you can't create an adventure for them. Like, oh shit, you know, this place has to be walled off because the people inside are being mutated. I guess. Oh, <laughs> apparently technology is an issue today. Just kind of seems to be happening. Except for you, Nolan, which is awesome. <laughs> now I try. You're holding you're holding us together, Nolan. <laughs> so so I I'll was complete looking my through... thought. I think yeah, there's I think that there's ways to like find adventure in there. It's still a world of adventure, and I think GMs can like add their own spin to it, but it is definitely it has an authorial presence. This is Monty Cook's world. Absolutely. And and I was looking through the forward. And it's the Ford's done by Monty Cook himself. And, and I wanted to read this. This is the last part of the Ford where it says, where do I start? And I'm just going to read this whole thing. So bear with me. It says, whether you're a player or a game master, start by reading part one, Tola's Player's Handbook. That section provides a quick overview of everything else in the book. Of course, it doesn't go into any of the secrets of the setting. Those are for the GM to reveal as time goes on. If you want to hand out just that section to your players, you can find a player's guide to Tola's as a free downloadable PDF at my file at, at mycg.info slash plays Tolos Players Guide. Print out a copy for each player. Let everyone have a chance to learn about the city and get a feel for the setting. Where you go next depends on how you're going to use this book. If you want Tolos to be your campaign setting, move right along to part two, background, and learn all the basics of the world. If Tolos is designed to become a city in your existing world, jump straight to part three, city guide, and read about the various parts of the town. If you only want to mine the book for ideas, flip through it and look at whatever strikes your fancy. You'll find interesting city locales, strange and fascinating NPCs, dungeon complexes, evil fortresses, haunted ruins, complex organizations, uh, and a few new species, monsters, character options, spells, and a lot more. 
The glossaries and index in the appendix can help you find what you're looking for quickly. Use the stitched in bookmarks and tear or and the tear out bookmarks. Don't tear out anything from your book. Don't do that to help you remember the sections you want to use. And here's really where it pulls to you, Zach. It was my campaign and now it's yours. I hope you get as, as much enjoyment from this city as I did. Monty Cook. So, yeah, it, I mean, it is. Tolis is Monty Cooks, right? And the fact that he was able to put this all together, you know, and I know they did it what, uh, before they had some stuff out there for Tolis, but the fact that they were able to bring it forward into the 5e system, um, which is insanely popular, and put this out there. Now, here's the thing. This is not a cheap book to get into, period. Uh, I know the, the Kickstarter for Nolan was was rather expensive. Um, but I look, I, I jumped over to Monty Cook's website just to take a look at it. If you want the 5e book, the massive tome, it's 150 bucks. Now, the other thing is, is, and, and Nolan was, was when he backed it, he made sure he got five players guides. And I really think those players guides, uh, are such that I, I wouldn't have a problem if I were to sit down and say, guys, we have Tolis. We want to play Tolis. We can either buy the PDF or, you can go to Monty Cook's website and buy yourself a player's guide, which is $18. And then that's yours and yours to keep and use during the game and fill out the character sheet however you want. And like I, I would this is like when you show up to sit down to play Tolis, you bring your player's guide because it's got everything you need in it ready to go. This is like your dungeon journal, right? This is the thing that you want to always have with you. And I know you can get the PDF, and he's mentioned that in the, in the forward that you can download the PDF. But I I haven't even seen the product, and I'm blown away by it. I and I think that's the big thing of it is just the ability to. I don't know. I think all of them. You can do what you want with it. Uh, Six hundred seventy-four pages. I was looking at uh, what did I look at. Uh, Curse of Strahd, two hundred fifty-seven for sixty dollars. So price point wise, I felt like I was like, well, I'm getting, you know, okay. So I need three books worth of content, uh, for it. You know, so that was, that was kind of along the lines there. I'm curious to see how they convert a lot of the, the campaign stories that they played. Um, from my understanding, a lot of their stories were some of the highest rated, uh, 3.5 adventures that came out from the people. Uh, that enjoyed it. And that's what kind of triggered this is, you know, obviously it had such a clamoring. So I missed it the first time around and that was part of the excitement for me. So, Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. the PDF looks beautiful. I mean, I was, I was, I've been scrolling through it, looking at it. Like you said, Nolan, I love seeing the older artwork because there is, there's some older artwork in here. There's some pieces that I see and I'm like, I recognize that piece. Um, it made me feel like, um, in fact, I don't know if you guys knew this. Down at the sports alley, there is a set of Dungeons and Dragons trading cards that That's that Mike really. has, and it's from the early '90s, and it's still when Dungeons and Dragons was TSR. And I actually had there was a couple of different sets that you could actually and you could use those in your games because uh, they had stats on the back. I almost bought that set on pure nostalgia, but I was able to talk myself out of it because I don't need more clutter in my house. Um, However, that's what this reminded me of is those trading cards is seeing like the you guys remember the covers for like um, the Dragonlance books or even some of the old Forgotten Realms books, the older ones, not the ones that we're seeing now, which are beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but the older ones, there's just some it's that nostalgia, right? Yeah, there's and a different style. It. Absolutely. And they freaking nailed it with this. 
This is really cool, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, usually I read all of these at work when I can sit down and have a PDF reader. Unfortunately, I'm a little busy, so I'm not going to be able to, like, I have to actually do work. So I probably won't be able to, like, read. I know. I probably won't even be able to, like, dive deep until, like, Thursday afternoon when I'm finally, like, out of stuff to do. Well, Um, I'm stating this now. And especially since we're all coming together again and we're starting to play in person. I want to start, and you guys are, like, two of the main players in my group. I want to start a Tolis campaign in the fall. So start racking your brains. It's going to be by invite only because I want to make sure we have the right people playing just to make it the experience awesome. So start racking your brains about who we're going to invite because we will be launching a Tolis campaign. And I'm I'm excited. And it's going to be in person. It's not going to be digital. And I think, you know, Nolan, I know you were awesome and you bought the, the sets where we had five players guides. It might be one of those where I say, listen, you're invited, but you're going to need to go buy this book. And that way... Well, I think with the PDF there. stuff, that that shouldn't be... You know, I mean, like that, that's the opportunity there. Especially when it comes to, like, the character sheets. I think that was my only hang-up on it. It was like, what happens when I level up? Yeah. Right. Well, just go back to using a pencil. Yeah. I'm going to laminate it. Yeah. Jump one page. Yeah, and, and the PDF might be the way. To, and of course, and that's where D&D Beyond is so handy that we're able to just go in and make those adjustments as we need to. So, but still, start thinking yeah. about Tolis in the fall. I don't know if I can make a character with pen and paper. They've gotten so accustomed to D&D Beyond. Tell me what, I mean, I would totally miss some stuff, I'm sure. I have Probably. full-on scripts in an Adobe Acrobat. you're being very careful that you pick up the the system you want because it is cypher and 5e so be careful when you're purchasing those things um monicook's.com monicookgames.com is where you want to go to get that i will make sure there is a link in the show notes to go straight to the tolis pre-order nolan any other thoughts on this i know you've been anxiously awaiting this yeah looking forward to play it i do i don't know i i i'm excited Zach, what about you? Any final thoughts? I, I really am. I'm really looking forward to diving into the the player section and seeing what you're supposed to do. Um, I think like the pedigree of this world setting is kind of very appealing to me. Like this was created and helped and designed by a bunch of professionals. I agree. So I'm pretty excited. All right, let's go over to the other PDF that came out this week, and that is the backer PDF for Technocracy Reloaded M20 from Onyx Path. This was a Kickstarter that was done, uh, I don't know, several months ago. I don't remember how long ago. Um, 
that I did back. Uh, and I did, like I said, we got the PDF ooh, Monday, I think, and I sent it to you guys right away. Uh, so let's talk about what our first thoughts were this. Um, Zach, we'll start with you. Did you get a chance to flip through this one? Yeah, again, I've been reading it on my phone, so I wasn't able to get um, to dive in as deep as I want. Uh, the thing that I think like straight up shocked me when I went through is that there are almost I don't I couldn't find any mechanics. It's it's not a mechanics book. It's not um, a mechanics this book. is absolutely a source book. It is not a rules book. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, there there'll be rules in there, but you have to have the M twenty book. Yeah, it is, but it is it is a deep dive. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It is it, like there is a lot. There's a lot in there, and none of it is going to be stuff where it's like, hey, you know, here's your bonuses. Here's you know the cost. Here's the benefits. Uh, here's the negatives for using these abilities. Nope, it's just about the world. Yes, it is just about the technocracy in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the men in or men in black feel was very strong uh, through a lot of it, uh, even just down to the photos uh, and the mm -hmm. imagery. <laughs> it was always there's, there's the dude in the suit out there doing the hard work. Um, you know what I, I really enjoyed, and there's a, there's a section in there, I, and I think it's fairly early, where they were talking about uh, uh, somebody's ranting about how we failed. Uh, like, man is can't be trusted with the future. We're going to have to save it for them because they are welcoming on the apocalypse, right? We're fascinated with zombies. We're fascinated with horror. We're fascinated with aliens. Like, there, we were, you know, how many people are, are you know, I'm one of them, right? I, bring on a zombie apocalypse. Let's see what happens. Let's hit the reset button. And these people are like, you know, you know, this, they're so wrapped up in, you know, a, 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 I think the terminology was a, a British kid with a, with, with a wand or something like, that. you know, like we, they're welcoming and ready to harbinger, you know, their, their own doom and we can't fix that. So we're just going to have to force them, you know, like we can't save humanity anymore. And it was just like guy who went really dark with it. It's like, yeah, we're so air quotes immune to, uh, all this fantasy and stuff like that, that I thought it was a nice little slap in the face of like, you really don't want that. Like, shut up. You really don't want a zombie apocalypse. You don't want aliens to show up. There is not going to be some cool heroic fight. Everybody knows going to die, like knock it off. So I thought that was great. Absolutely. Uh, so I know when I played mage many, many, many years ago that this was aside from Pentex, which is like the big over global monster in World of Darkness. This was like the scary people in Mage. If you heard the technocracy was coming for you, it was going to go one or two ways. Either you were going to become part of them or things were going to go very poorly for you. And so this was kind of like used as the big bad guys in the, uh, the system. Um, I always thought it. It was fascinating. I always I was very much intrigued by them. You mentioned the men in black feel, Nolan, and that is 100% what they were going for. They wanted you to think that because that's exactly who they are. Uh, the technocracy is really cool. And <laughs> I use the term cool loosely here. And I think this book, again, I have to, and, and keep in mind, this was a deluxe edition book. Uh, once again, Onyx Path has done a fantastic job. 
they they don't fuck around with their layouts and their design of their books. They do a great job. The artwork is always top notch. The layout is always really good. I know uh, Dixie Cochran and her team of editors is usually top notch. Sometimes you'll find mistakes, but again, this is a backer PDF. They want you to find those mistakes so they can get those corrected. In fact, I'm looking at a page right now that I'm like, oh, there's a mistake on this. I should probably email them so they can get it fixed. Uh, I'm super excited to see this book in hard copy, especially since it's going to be a deluxe edition. And yeah, once again, Onyx Path has done a great job. Like you said, it's huge. I mean, 238 pages of, you know, no, no fluff, no crunch, no, you know, I mean, even the pictures are small. Uh, I haven't seen like full page art ticking stuff up. I mean, it is a lot of, a lot of reading. Uh, so it, Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think back to like when they released for second edition mage, like um, uh, New World Order and things like that, that was all technocracy related. And you get that feel with this book. You get, I mean, they do a great job of at least making you feel like there's there's that that continuity from the early 90s to now, where it's, it's like a modern update of that. And yeah, okay, this is so good. Yeah, it's, it's really is, cool. It, it makes me jealous of some of the stuff, you know, like I like when I think of like the Forgotten Realms uh, campaign book versus like the Eberron one. Right, The Eberron was closer to this tile of you feel like you're in that world. And this does a good job of bringing that forward as well of I mean, it just does a good job of everybody's feelings on what's happening in the different sections. I mean, it's, it's really good. Yep, it sure is. Zach, any other thoughts on it before we wrap up? No, I was more interested to hear your opinion because I've never played Mage and I'm not familiar with it from way back uh, in the original World of Darkness, like Run. So Mage all I really... is, Mage is incredible. It, it absolutely is. I mean, it's it really does grab like like your Cyberpunk and Shadowrun and throw it into in in a way into um, the World of Darkness. Right? It's giving you a little bit of fantasy with the magic using, and then you get all sorts of technology with like the technocracy. I mean, you saw the guns that they were using on the cover of the book. Um, so you get that that aspect of it. Where and and then like we mentioned last week about the changing of reality with when you're playing a mage, and that's exactly. What, I mean, you have to be careful because you are warping reality mage is an amazing game and it is but i think a lot of people are afraid of it because it's very complex and and it's very technical and it's not crunchy like some games are um but it and it's still very much a storytelling game but again you start getting into warping reality and and some of the stuff that you can do uh it's it's really it's really neat i think both of you would absolutely love mage um, I think it'd be one of those games where when it comes to World of Darkness, you would probably just based on how you two are, you'd probably prefer Mage or Werewolf over Vampire. Uh, but yeah, it's this is a good book. They've done a great job with this, and I'm really excited. I can't wait to actually get the physical copy. There's a cyber tooth tiger. Yeah. <laughs> and it says image 12 foot long from nose to tail and weighing well over a thousand pounds. A cyber tooth tiger resembles a great cat with golden brown fur and silvery white underbelly implanted with eyes are two short laser focused barrels. Long, thick metal teeth are fortified with a nanotech coating, which keeps them 
perpetually sharp. The tiger's lower limbs are sheathed in cybernetics, supporting retractable claws and padded paws. And there is a picture of it attacking a forester <laughs> in the book. And it is quite literally the scariest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, if you scroll to page 100, there's a picture of a guy getting a cybernetic eye implanted. Yeah, I was going to say 195 is where the, uh, <laughs> the cyber tooth cat. So That's awesome. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I, I'm excited about this one. Again, this is just first impressions, first impressions of these books. We have not had a chance to really dig through them, but I am excited, excited to get my hands on this. I am excited to get my hands on Tolis. Uh, I think it's awesome that we're seeing these games come to fruition and actually get delivered to our doorsteps. Uh, I know, Nolan, you did say you are getting the hard copy of the of the actual Tolis book here in the next few days, right? Yeah, um, it was like 20 bucks for FedEx two days shipping. So I did that. Nice. Awesome. Zach, keep us updated on the runes of Simbroom. Let us know how that's going. Obviously, that campaign is fully funded. So let us know any cool stretch goals that get knocked down. I think they're on their 26th stretch goal. Wow. So, yeah, I don't think they'll hit the 30th, but I think they'll get a lot. That's awesome. They that say it looks awesome. like it's over $400,000 this morning. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited. That's very cool. Well, guys, that is our show for this week. I want to say thank you to everybody who listened or tuned in. Uh, sorry about the technology issues. I don't know what the hell is going on. And all of a sudden, my computer seems to be working fine. Um, yeah, who knows? Uh, gentlemen, I am excited to see you later today for some D&D action. Uh, until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye.